Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Movie Brats podcast. I am Carter and joining me as always is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing fine. I'm getting back into the swing of teaching. I just showed Shaft in my first action film class tonight, the original Shaft. Shaft, a movie that I'm sure was nowhere close to being nominated for an Academy Award when it was released in the 70s, but... The Academy uh, no. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, Isaac Hayes won an Oscar for best song. I mean, are you kidding? That was like a pretty big deal that that, yeah. What amazing oversight in a blank space in my cinema knowledge that is exposed very early on <laughs> to a ham-fisted transition <laughs> about January being Oscar season and the Oscar nominations coming out on Monday to sort of a mixed reaction. I've seen a couple people be like outraged over the nominations would be like they make no sense for me the only real blatant outrage uh is that once again we don't have any female representatives in the director's category but your sort of initial takes on the oscar nominations jonathan i don't think there were any major surprises if it weren't if it wasn't the five that people really thought were going to get in it was number six or seven um I was disappointed that Robert De Niro wasn't nominated for Best Actor because it's probably his best performance of the century. And he's in so many shitty films that when he's actually amazing in a film, they're like, oh, well, let's not nominate him. <laughs> and I think that uh, it was a little bit surprising that both Antonio Banderas and Jonathan Price nominated for Best Actor. I, I wasn't shocked that either of them got in, but the fact they both got in and De Niro didn't, um, I was a little surprised by that, but I was very happy to see Banderas get in his first Oscar nomination ever. And um, yeah, it seems like in all four acting categories, it's very, it's like 90 something percent seemingly like they're going to win. It's going to be Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Nazel Weger for Judy, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, and Brad Pitt for Hollywood. I mean, everyone seems to think that. Do you agree that those are the very high front runners in all the categories? Oh, definitely. I mean, looking at the actor sort of categories, a uh, notable thing is supporting actor has to be like the highest average age of nominees ever. Brad Pitt is significantly younger than everybody else, and he's like 50-something. But yeah. uh, I guess the one category that might be sort of most competitive out of those one is actress simply because judy i don't think is as well regarded as many of the other movies that are nominated i actually haven't even seen it you've seen judy we haven't talked about it what do you, and what do you think renell selweger is particularly good in that movie well i'm gay so i'm contractually obligated to see a judy garland biopic um great performance a decent film uh it's like three and a half out of five star film. I think she gives a wonderful, wonderful performance, but it's one of those where it's just, if she wins, it's just a boring win. Like, yeah, yeah she's really good in it, but I, I would pick, um, well, personally, I would pick the lead actress from Ashes, Purest White, but that was like not in the conversation at all. Um, of the nominees from the ones I've seen, I would want Scarlett Johansson to win. And I think she's the second place uh in the running but yeah i think this is yeah. the one category last year glenn close for the wife was winning all of the pre-academy award uh wins like she got the golden globe and i'm pretty sure she won the sag and then out of nowhere olivia coleman won for 
the favorite. So I think that is the only category that might possibly have something like that happen. And I think Scarlett Johansson is the most likely out of any of those nominees. I think that like the wife, uh, Judy is a film that a number of Oscar voters will vote for her for best performance. And they haven't even necessarily seen the film. They just hear that she's <laughs> winning all the other awards and she, like they've seen uh, footage of her playing Judy Garland. And also I've heard the idea too, is that, it's kind of a comeback for uh, Zellweger and Judy Garland never won an Oscar. So this is an Oscar win. For oh, Judy wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I mean, Judy Garland uh, should have won for Star Wars Born and probably should have won supporting actress for Dredgeman at Nuremberg, but that's no reason to give it to Renee Zellweger. I mean, also people have criticized that last year Rami Malek won Best Actor yes. for Limp Seeking, Freddie Mercury, and a very not critically loved movie by a number of critics. Uh, but but that movie, uh, at least a lot of people saw and made a lot of money. Judy definitely was neither of those things. But my point is she did do her own singing in that film, and that helps. And uh, the lead actor from Rocketman was not nominated. It, he was another Aaron one that Edgerton. was right on the cusp. Yes. Yeah, there were about... In actors that I would not have been shocked. I would have not been shocked if De Niro had gotten in, or if, um, I mean, honestly, there were like ten people. Adam Sandler. That was a big disappointment. Yeah. I wasn't expecting really because I just I don't think a lot of the Oscar voters would like that film necessarily. There, there would be a contention of people that think it's amazing and really love the movie and agree with critics, but then I think a lot of people wouldn't even see the film. Just have a bias against Adam Sandler and didn't see the film, or they did see it, or part of it. Bias against it. Netflix. Adam well, Sandler no, taking all their money. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, even though Uncut Gems isn't. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. sort of uh, tangentially related to Netflix. Right. Um, with the women directors, uh, I have not seen Little Women yet. I'm going to. I'm not avoiding it because, oh, I don't want to see a you know, women's picture. But uh, from all the 90-plus films, I did see from last year, I personally would have loved to have seen Joanna Hogg nominated for Best Director or the Souvenir nominated for anything, but it's one of those films that came out way earlier in the year, and it's very, I mean, not so much that it's really arty, but it's just a kind of a very small, quiet movie that I don't think many people saw except critics. No, that's more like an Independent Spirit Award nominee than the Academy Awards. But the only thing that makes it really grating that there were no female nominees is that Todd Phillips is one of them, and he makes such a nasty, dirty movie like Joker and gets rewarded for it. Right, and not that we have any problem with dirty, nasty movies. It's just that <laughs> yeah. it's not one of the five best-directed films of that year. Yes. Um, I think that um, part of the issue with a lot of the films that are in the conversation that women directed is that they're often smaller films like little women, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, the souvenir. Um, and often the films that seem very directed like 1917 mm -hmm. and the Irishman Ford versus Ferrari, uh, right? <laughs> things like that get nominated more likely. I mean, you know, things like Michael Clayton get nominated yeah. and, uh, you know, more movies, small... period pieces, movies about big, important business stuff. Right. Um, but I think that, I mean, I agree. I didn't. I mean, did you hear the controversy about Stephen King tweeting that oh, he does? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree with him. I think that you people should see films by women, by people of color, by queer people, by from all around the world. You know, you should see a range of movies. But once you've seen this wide variety of movies, 
you should completely not consider oh is it directed by a woman yeah how many female leads well, in are, a perfect you know, like, world you wouldn't be able to tell the gender of any director it's just that so many of the directors are men that it, it would be nice for females to get some recognition. This is obviously a problem that the more movies are, that are simply directed by women, the more female nominees there will be, which is just very tilted one direction at the present moment. The problem is that there are not enough films made by women because there are not enough women and people of color at the heads of studios yes. and in producers positions and studio you know behind the scenes you know it's like the academy can only do so much and they've actually done a lot in recent years they've really pushed to have more international more women uh people of color uh accepted into the academy for voting so i just hope that people actually uh you know vote and see these you know more diverse movies you know if they make the academy more diverse that's great but the, the you got to start with actually what movies are made so that you know they can only vote on finished movies movies that are actually made so mm -hmm. that's the main issue well and i think that diversity reflects itself in parasite getting six nominations which is something we don't often see from foreign films i think of life is beautiful got a few nominations and one best actor city of right. god i think got a best picture nomination but parasite i know a lot of people are complaining about that getting no acting nominations but that's asking a lot to have a movie not in english get like multiple acting nominations or any at all like roma did last year though yes. uh it got actors and supporting yeah uh, people were saying that it was either going to be anthony hopkins for the two popes or the um father character in uh parasite the actor i think that you know it it is problematic that you know, there's only one African American out of the twenty, and she plays a slave, Harriet Tubman. Yes. Which I, 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 I had. There's no a whole other can of worms in regards yeah, to. Yeah, it's like Viola Davis and the Help. It's like the, they like to give people Oscars and nominations, but they have to play the Help or the Slave, or you know. Going all but, the way back to Gone with the Wind, which I think was the first win for a African American person. Yeah, I think that there are. You know, there are much deeper issues about how film, you know, what films get made and the Academy, I think, is doing a number of uh, things to try to make the Academy more diverse. But you got to give them films to vote on, you know, that, that that's very quickly forget stuff like Jordan Peele getting nominated for Best Actor for Get Out. Like, it's not like every year the Academy is going to be perfect. Kaluuya. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and Jordan Peele winning, which is great. Well, yeah. So it's not like every year the Academy is going to be absolutely perfect in regards to that. So just remember that they're not like this every year and that in the future it will probably be better. But as far as I was concerned with the snubs, I think one that obviously wasn't going to happen but in like my dream world would have happened was Willem Dafoe for Best Supporting Actor for The Lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. Um, I would have – it's also one of the issues with the Academy – you could make the argument that many of the supporting uh, performances are actually co-leads. I mm -hmm. think Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt, a co-lead. Sure. He's even credited yeah. as a co-lead at the beginning of the movie. Him and DiCaprio yeah. are like next to each yeah. other. Yeah, I mean, I would say Joe Pesci is a supporting actor in The Irishman. I would, and I would say um, Tom Hanks is a supporting actor because he is not the lead in the film. Like That's mm -hmm. an important distinction that the character that Matthew Reese plays the reporter is the main character but there have been plenty of times and you know Viola Davis not she won best supporting actress for fences she's a co-lead I mean 
It's in like the three. Well, Anthony Hopkins is definitely a co-lead in the two popes. Yeah, and the favorite, like, who, how, how did they decide who was going to be the <laughs> yeah, lead? Yeah, exactly. This morning, you, but, well, I mean, you could argue Olivia Coleman is actually like the third lead out of Rachel Weisz and uh, Emma Stone in that movie, right? Um, but I think I, I've said this before. I think in general, the Oscars have been better in the last fifteen years or so. Like, No Country for Old Men won Best Picture. Twelve Years a Slave, Moonlight, The Hurt Locker. Those were all critically Birdman like, which I forgot film. one best picture because <laughs> yeah, it's like, so crazy if you like polled critics of like what are the five best films of each year there have been a number of years in the last 15 years where the film actually was in the top five like I think most crit you know critical consensus is that 12 years a slave the hurt locker moonlight no country for old men you know those were like if not the best film of the year they were in the top five you know, and stuff like Les Miserables and The Butler aren't winning Best Picture. Now, Green Book won Best Picture. That was a big, nasty, you know, gross thing. But in general, you know, the fact that two black and white foreign films got nominated for Best Director last year, uh, you know, I think in general, they're not as bad as they were in the 50s where things like The Greatest Show on Earth is <laughs> yes. winning Best Picture. And like every other or Oliver like in a- the 60s. <laughs> Yeah, beating 2001, not even being nominated. Or stuff, something like Out of picture. Africa, which is almost like an unwatchable movie now. <laughs> it's so boring. Yeah, I watched. <laughs> I actually watched a video. Someone posted it on Twitter uh, when they announced Out of Africa winning Best Picture. It was John Huston, Billy Wilder, and Akira Kurosawa and making the announcement. That that's pretty amazing lineup. But but then but then uh, they had to call out Out of Africa, which was like, oh, that's. That's sad. That they had to... I mean, yeah, that is the most like Oscar Beatty movie I might have ever seen, and that is a movie that like literally no one thinks about when you're talking about great movies of the past. But yeah, I t- totally agree that past fifteen years, like two thousand seven, the fact that there will be blood and no country for old men were like the two leading candidates, and those were like two obviously the best movies of that year. More often than not, they get it right. The last couple years have not necessarily been great. But let's just hope that Joker doesn't win this year. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, like, usually three of the nominees out of five are, like, absolutely, these really should be completely from, like, if we could choose anyone, these, and then there's, like, one that's, like, this would be, like, my sixth or seventh choice, and then there's one that's just shitty that's, Uh like, Green Book or, you know, something getting nominated. Uh, But I do think that... You know, I I don't the problem I was before we started recording two of my five least favorite films that came out last year were nominated for Best Picture Joker and Jojo Rabbit. But then two of my top three films of uh, last year, The Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, were nominated. So you take the good with the bad. And those were two of the most nominated movies with 10 nominations each, which brings me to my my only real gripe with the whole thing is that Joker has the most nominations with 11. And the fact that it was nominated for Best Director and Best Adapted Screenplay. As far as Adapted Screenplay is concerned, (laughs) that just shows that stealing somebody else's work is the perfect way to get ahead in this world because he basically just remade the king of comedy and taxi driver together and he gets nominated for an oscar for it yeah i mean <laughs> it's like that movie i i hate it but that movie is walking phoenix like that yes. movie is not brilliantly scripted it's not one of the five best original you know adapted screenplay it's adapted right because it's uh-huh. based on the comic book. so i just think that you know i 
I don't deny that a lot of the behind the scene, the craft of Joker is really, it's the score is really good. It's the cinematography is good. It's shot on film, you know, production design, but it's like, why is it nominated for costume? There's like <laughs> one costume that's makeup. Like, I like know, when stupid. Joaquin Phoenix did most of the awful makeup himself. <laughs> yeah. And well, I think this is the first year where it expanded from three to five. Cause hasn't almost always that only been a, Three I nominee think that category. Might, I think that might be true. Some of them, it's like only people with enough votes to get nominated, or something like that. And um, the other thing is that uh, two things: it was changed from best foreign language film to being called best international feature now, and the first time in history a film was nominated for best documentary and best foreign language film, which is now international. Honeyland, but, uh, yeah. Honeyland, yeah. Which that's just. A, cool statistic um also doesn't clint eastwood have to be the oldest director to have directed an oscar-nominated performance because it's uh kathy bates was nominated for richard julie's 89 <laughs> they're I probably imagine. like the highest uh added together director actor combination to be nominated also but that's another yeah. thing i have a little issues with was kathy bates being nominated for what i thought was a very limited role and at the expense of someone like uh, the person who played the grandmother in The Farewell or Jennifer Lopez, who was nominated for basically every other award for this movie and is not nominated for an Oscar. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, she, I thought Kathy Bates was fine in the film, but I, I've heard, too, that one of the things that probably helped her is that she had been really involved in the Academy before, mm -hmm. like she had had positions and that, you know, people know her. So, I mean, I, I mean, well, she's I a very well-respected actress with, you know, yeah. Um, but previous think, winner for misery, right? Yeah. Um, I think one of the surprises too, with screenplay is that 1917 was nominated for screenplay. Cause that seems such a directed film and not like there's, yeah. you know, that was one that I was very, and it's a screenplay that's not necessarily really strong. That's going to be the movie that we review later, but uh, and th that's a movie that feels very contrived in some ways because the conceit of it is that it is one shot, so it's sort of necessary for them to establish why they're going to one place or the other. It's not one that you can tell is just unfolding naturally. And I I think it was a little surprising uh, that Ryan Johnson was nominated for Knives Out. I don't think people had that in the top five predictions, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, I, I, it seems wide open for best picture. There's like four films that I think have a shot right now. 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I feel like the Irishman's chances I, are a little bit receding. Yeah, yeah I, I, I know it, that's, well, I mean, we're going to do it sometime, but it, right as of right now, it's my number one film of last year. Yeah. So it's I like Joker, I, I think it. is a better chance than Irishman right now. Parasite <sighs> that, might well, even. Well, the thing, yeah, you know, uh, every category except Best Picture, it's just they vote on one, you know, they vote on one and whoever gets the most votes wins. But with Best Picture, it's the preferential ballot. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that there might be a film that a lot of, you know, you know, there's a number of people that really love it, but then there might be detractors. But the ones that the most people generally like, and I think one of the films that helps that a lot is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think mm -hmm. most people would put it like, in their one or two oh, or yeah. three that's probably going to be maybe not one for everybody but it's not going to be below like three for most people and it's like yeah. about hollywood it's really entertaining it's got big stars in it yeah well and something I like joker probably will be high for a lot of people but some people might leave it off their list entirely
Yeah, it's going to get like a bunch of. It's going to have a number of people put it at number one, but then a lot of people put it dead last because wouldn't they, that be they crazy? Like if Bradley Cooper won an Oscar for producing Joker. <laughs> I'm just looking at this list of producers here. Yeah, and did you know that Todd Phillips? This was he got nominated, uh, I think, for three Oscars for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. But you know, this is not his first Oscar nomination. Do you know what he had been nominated before? It's something kind of random, was, right? He was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay as one of the writers of Borat. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was looking up the Based other Based off nominees. characters from Dolly G Show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also, like, crazy how many of the actors, like, have been nominated, like, for the first time in, like, 20 or 30 years. Uh, it's, uh, Al Pacino hadn't been nominated since the year he won for Sin of a Woman and also was nominated for Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross. Anthony Hopkins hasn't, I don't think, been nominated since Omnistad. And Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks hasn't been nominated since Castaway. Yeah. Uh, so, and, um, and Brad Pitt is probably Benjamin Button was his last nomination. Was he, I think he was was he nominated for Best Picture? Oh, Moneyball. For, he got Best Actor too. Yeah, but uh, I think that you know it would have been nice to see. Yeah, a lot of them were just expected, and it was a little bit boring. Like it would have been cool to see, you know, Aquafina nominated for Best Actress, or but that would have been uh, this long shot anyway. Or uh, I, I think Peter Nyong'o like for us, it would have been really cool, but it definitely wasn't like an obvious Oscar sort of pick. Yeah, I think it's a little surprising that like The Farewell wasn't at least nominated for Best Screenplay, but 1917 was. Yeah, you know? that being completely shut out basically uncut gems being completely shut out is a little annoying but to finish up the oscar talk just a couple nominations i really like to see thelma schoonmaker best editing for the irishman do you think there's an argument to be made she is like the best uh, editor of the like last 25 30 years yeah i think she's the front runner to well do you think that's I think that the irishman if it's going to get any wins it's going to be best adapted screenplay or and or editing I don't yes. think it's going to get anything bigger than that. Um, I, I, people might not vote for for editing because the movie's so long and they think that it wasn't well edited because it's so long. But I think it's brilliantly edited. I think it's so well structured and all well, the different going between narration. the three different timelines, it's absolutely seamless. It really is amazing. Yeah. Um, That's just I a perfect think... marriage of editor and director. And they've made so many movies together. It'd be really cool to see her win for this one. And then uh, the cinematographer of. The Lighthouse, Yaron Blaschke, the yeah, one was, nomination for The Lighthouse was very cool to see. They usually nominate at least one black and white movie. That's the, the, like the <laughs> Ida. And, well, last year there was Roma and Cold War. And Well, the craziest one, like I know on Gold Derby, the predictions website, the guy who shot, um, what was it called? Never Look Away. The, what was the three hour plus painter movie? Oh, never, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah, never look he, away. Like, don't look away. Yeah. Like he wasn't in the top 50 on the predictions. Like, no, like that came out of nowhere. Caleb Deschanel, who's shot like the black stallion and he shot the lion King last year, mm -hmm. but he got nominated and like, that was just out of nowhere. But yeah, love yeah, that, I, movie. that is a really pretentious, very long form movie, but I love that. <laughs> never look away. Uh, uh, what do you think is going to win best director? I think it's best director best is uh, Sam Mendes. It's probably Sam Mendes, but yeah, I think well, maybe Bong Joon Ho. That's been sort of a wild card category recently, and there's been a lot of love for him. And 
That's sort of one of the Parasite's a movie where if you want to like show off how much you know about movies, you say, oh, I love Parasite. So I think maybe that's not to detract from it because I love the movie also, but that might be why it wins. Yeah, I think that, of course, Parasite's only about the 12th or 13th uh, foreign language film to ever be nominated for Best Picture. It's one's never won. So that would be a big deal. But it is critically the best reviewed film of last year. You know, you look at polls. Uh, critical consensus, uh, Parasite's number one. And then really, you know, under that, it's The Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, you know, a number and of then like act- Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which yeah. was not even the uh, submission, submission for its country as Don't Les Miserables was nominated. It, well, I mean, I haven't seen that film, but I've seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Don't you think that like if two of the best films of the year are from France, they should be able to nominate? It's very strange to limit it to one per country. It is really yeah. weird. Like, they always nominate some, like, completely random movie that nobody's actually seen yet. Uh-huh. And then, like, like like four months, three weeks, and two days was not nominated, which is, like, one of the absolutely best-reviewed films of the entire decade. And, you know, in same in documentary, like, Hoop Dreams wasn't nominated. You know, and a lot of people think that's one of the best films, period, of the 90s. Those well, are one of my big snubs, Apollo 11, not getting nominated for Best Documentary, which I thought was absolutely outstanding. Right, yeah, that that should have been nominated. I didn't see, well, I never see enough documentaries, but I did see that, and that was masterful. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that was a snub. I think it was kind of surprising that Frozen 2 didn't get nominated, and I haven't <laughs> seen it, but I kind of, I was okay with that. I shouldn't say that because I haven't seen it, but, you know. Well, I think, I think this is a good time to transition from Oscar to discussion to what is probably the presumptive favorite. Would you agree with that? 1917 to win Best Picture after coming home with the Golden Globe for Best Drama? I would say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's number one, but 1917 would be number two. Prediction. And it, it feels very Oscar-y. Uh, 1917, directed by Sam Mendes, who won Best Director for American Beauty, which also won Best Picture almost 20 years ago, uh, and also did Skyfall fairly recently, and then Spectre, the sequel to that so this is his first non-bond movie since uh which one was that revolutionary road right yeah it's 12 years ago now <laughs> which is kind of crazy uh starring george mckay and yeah. dean charles chapman who are two relative unknowns uh it is set during world don't war one who shows up don't give away the big <laughs> i'm not somebody. gonna do that uh okay. it is about two british soldiers who are given a mission to deliver a message across enemy lines to prevent an attack that could lead to the death of 1600 men it premiered december 4th uh, december 4th 2019 in london and was released uh december 25th in new york and l.a wide release january 10th a metacritic score of 79 and a rotten tomato score of 90 um, 1917, the big gimmick for that is it is all depicted as a single take. Was that something that distracted you or is that something you thought enhanced, uh, the movie? Both. I think there's good points to it and bad points. I think the film is a real technical achievement. Roger Deakins shot the film who's been nominated. Some beautiful, beautiful shots in the movie. Right. And it is like Birdman. The film is not actually one long shot. There's even a part where a character gets knocked out and it cuts to later in the day. So uh, it is definitely not actually one shot. But one of the distracting qualities is that I kept looking for like, where could they have hidden a cut? And I think it's 
it's pretty seamless, but it, being a film geek, I was like, oh, soldier walked by really close. Oh, there's a whip pan, you know? Oh, they walked, you know? So I was always, like, oh, they unnecessarily zoomed in on that barrel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I think the film works best as an experiential tightrope walk thrill ride, like a Hitchcockian manipulating the audience. I don't, I think there's been many more, uh, more profound, better war films. I don't think that as a war film, it's particularly, groundbreaking but i think that the cinematic bravado uh and just the kind of as a gripping film it works best and um i i think the thing with the one shot is that it i mean i don't want to say so much that it's a gimmick but the film is so serious that i actually wish that if they were going to do it with that one shot conceit that they had actually leaned in a little bit more into the kind of audience manipulation. Like I wish it had almost been a little bit more like Brian De Palma, like, uh, or, you know, where it, like it was almost a little more flashy. Like the fact that it's trying to be so serious and, gritty. and naturalistic. Yeah. And there are times where I was like, if he falls, you know, into a waterfall and it, 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 it almost was like a little too much like the revenant where that was another film where I thought that it actually, if the revenant had been a little bit more exploitation, if it had been a little less self-serious. You know, yeah. Like, it, like if it had leaned in a little bit more to it being kind of a, you know, nasty little movie and I'm not 1917. Uh, it's actually not that violent. Like there's not actually that much war, you know, people getting shot. It's more about the the Tension. between, right? It's the bodies and you know going from one place to another. But what is the you, dread like, overhanging like every single second? Of, yeah, there's some real. I mean, the, with an action. I mean, I, there are action set pieces in this film, and you know, action is so greatly uh, relies on editing, and the film doesn't do that. But uh, there's some really tense scenes where it's by, by by the use of the performances and by the cinematography it does a really good job of building tension but yeah it, it's a little the film's kind of gimmicky but i like it as like a gripping thrill ride mm-hmm. yeah i more than anything it works as a spectacular piece of cinema as does things that you can't do in any other medium like you know this is obviously not like a tv show where we're seeing something unfold over 10 hours and lots of different stuff. This is supposed to be taking place in real time. It's a two hour movie. And that was one thing that took me out of it a little bit where he says like, Oh, it'll take us six hours to get there. It's like, Oh, okay. So it's obviously not real time. And you getting there in two hours doesn't really make a lot of sense in the narrative like that. But, but it, it is just an overwhelming sort of cinematic experience. And one that if you don't see it in the theater, it just won't be the same. We say that about everything, but like this more than anything won't. And it's a movie that I don't think will be enriched by repeated viewings, like a lot of my other favorite movies of the past year and of any year really are. This was very much like a in-the-moment thrill sort of experience, very much like Gravity was a few years ago. Um, but... I just can't really understand why it's getting as much love as it is. Is it just that like war movies just seem to touch a strain in everybody? But even when it comes to war movies, like you said, it doesn't really exactly say anything new or bring any sort of different perspective to the table. If there's any message to the movie, it's that war is not good and that, you know, you need to hold on to hope to get through a war. And I was like, okay, it's tell me something I don't know. But I don't know. Like, why do you think this is such a behemoth in the awards category? 
I think because nobody had seen it and it bam hit right in the midst of award season and people were really wowed by it and it was fresh on their mind like wow that's a real technical achievement it was really well made and so they were voting for it for best picture and best director as you know if the film had come out you know in July I don't know that it would be as uh high up on people's uh critics but i i do think that it's you know it's 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 a movie that is directed it's a film that is look at me i'm a movie look how amazing i am and it does a really good job of that but uh the oscars like to nominate things like that i mean it's an amazing technical achievement and i mean we just can't repeat that enough there's a really nice tutorial on youtube or not a uh, I guess it is a tutorial to like one of those behind the scenes featurettes uh, released by the studio to show us just how difficult of a process it was to make 1917. Like the production design for it is unbelievable. They designed all of the different sets that you see in the movie on like a smaller scale and figured out all the lighting and rehearsed for like months on end before they actually shot the movie to make sure that, you know, they were in the right position for the camera and everything. But I think that to a certain extent, the, long takes detracts from what the movie could be because so many times when I was watching it I felt like I was watching a video game and like the parts where the general tells them what their mission is feels like a cutscene in a video game and it's so contrived in what they do because they need to get from one place to the next place to the next place and it doesn't really feel like everything's happening in the flow of like the now moment which something like a you know not every movie can be the thin red line and not every director is Terrence Malick, but that movie gets it across so well. But like immediacy of war and uh, puts the audience in a really interesting perspective for it. And in a lot of ways, I think the one shot nature of it took away from the potential of the movie and it made it like a rule where we have to stick to this one single take. And you know maybe you didn't need to stick to a single take for all elements of it. Maybe a close up is nice every once in a while. And a couple edits, you know, five edits into the seconds to punch something home. I kind of wish it wasn't well, one yeah. take. I think that the film, it would have worked better either by having a few cuts that are obvious and have it be a lot of really long shots, uh -huh. but don't have it have this illusion that you're really going on and on Which and on. Which isn't even or, actually true because, like you said, there are, it's not obviously not a single take. Right. Uh, and also... Uh, the other version would have been do the one take gimmick, but lean into it and be more like, you know how like Brian De Palma has a little long takes, but he's, he's like flashy and like, look at my, or like that part like, in Birdman where he walks through a, a liquor store and for no reason, it's got a ton of amazing technicolor lights. And it's just cause it's like, wow, look at how cool this shot is. Right. I think sometimes films that are real technical achievements, they're too, serious they're too self-serious and that if you're going to do something like this like have a little more fun with it like yeah war is hell and it's like a you know gripping film but it should have you know it's like the thing with the mouse was cool you know the rat was cool where it set off the tripwire you know things like that were a little bit like b-movie thrills and i enjoyed that but i feel like uh sometimes it tried to justify its one shot by you know, and it didn't kind of have fun with it. You know, if you're, if you're going to do it, you know, just do it with a little more fun. So, yeah, and I have been crapping on this movie a lot, so I'm going to say some nice things about the movie. Early on, uh, and when they do, when the single shot 
technique is working. It really, really is working. Like early on, there's a part where they're going from one side of a crowded uh, trench, like a couple hundred yards to the other side of a very busy crowded trench. And the camera is just zooming I'm coming in and out of all these different people. And the whole thing is like a very well choreographed dance. And it is just a marvelous technical achievement. I'm going to say technical achievement a lot when describing this movie because more than anything else, that's what it is. Which is why I, it, I'm cold towards it compared to something like The Irishman, which is just so much more than that. But again, I don't want to keep saying bad things about this. I thought the two lead performances, uh, George Mackay and Dean Charles Chapman, were really, really excellent. Um, and I know Sam Mendes said he wanted to cast Unknowns, which is a little head-scratching for me because Dean Charles Chapman played a major character and quite possibly the most watched TV show of all time. So he's not exactly an unknown, but George Mackay, the other co-lead, I hadn't seen in anything and I was really impressed by him. He was in, I think captain fantastic a few years ago, which uh, a lot of people I know like, but I have not seen. Uh, what yeah. did you think of those two uh, co-leads of the movie? Well, it's a film where you don't, you're not really supposed to notice the performances. You're supposed to be right there in the moment realistic and like obviously the film is not uh one shot but you, you you the actors pull off that they are on an emotional continuum that they they are going through this in real time like they you buy that very much from their performances that they're and you know and you, i assume that they shot it in order um but how so. Now, how many shots do you think the film actually is? Have you seen anywhere where they revealed how many? There I saw one are? place where they said it was two, which just obviously That's... is not true. <laughs> I think okay. I think probably it's like ten to fifteen. I'm sure that some of the shots are like twenty to twenty five minutes long, but I could not tell you where like one ends and the other begins. But if I had to guess, I would say I would set the over under at like seven. Oh, no, no, no. I think there are more than that. I you think, think it's like 20? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that any time where – well, not necessarily every time, but there are seen I think with the digital trickery you can do these days, where the, whenever there was a, some kind of barricade like that goes from the bottom of the screen to the top, uh -huh. you could put together two shots like they're going over through a doorway. Like they could have – I don't know. I, I it's like you, you kind of don't want to know but i do want to know i want to know <laughs> i mean i know. do i would like to be watching like a director's commentary where they're like yep here's where a cut is and this is what we did yeah um you know i know that the uh gravity i remember reading some statistic that like 70 percent of that film was 17 shots or something like that like in the first like 16 minutes of that well, movie that is one. like almost 100 percent cgi so that's probably easier to do than something like that yeah but 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 see, I think Gravity really is like one of the best films of that decade, and and like it, it being a gimmick movie, like I think that would work yeah. much better as a gimmick movie than 1917 did. As you know, why? Because it doesn't mind. Like to to uh, let me say it this way: I think Gravity is an A grade B movie, and 1917 is a B grade A movie. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, that does make sense. Yeah, it's like Gravity knows it's a 90-minute sci-fi. Gravity you know, is from the director of Harry Potter, The Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> and I, I, it's like some directors know how to have fun. Uh -huh. uh, and I think that Sam Mendes is a little self-serious. Well, he, like, he made the most dour Bond movies of all time, that's for sure. 
I think that uh, I, I actually saw an interview with Quentin Tarantino uh, where he was saying that, and I actually really loved Skyfall, but he was saying that like Bond is in a cabin at the end of the movie. This isn't James Bond, you know, and he was ripping. And he said that he thought Spectre was better, which I think is crazy because that's not a great film. Uh, and I don't, I think Skyfall is much, much better. But I, I actually did watch the only two films of his I hadn't seen. Uh, but right before 1917, uh, I watched Road to Perdition and his other war film, Jarhead. Mm-hmm. So he is a pretty eclectic director if you think of yes. American Well, he made Away We Go with John Krasinski. I, uh, yeah. I actually really love Revolutionary Road. That's one of the yes. great – like Great guys. Kate Winslet performance. Maybe my favorite of hers. Amazing Michael Shannon, like, eight-minute stretch. Yeah, he should have been. She should have won for that instead of the reader. I remember that was at the Golden Globe. She won both actor and supporting actress, but the reader gave... was an awful, awful Oscar Beatty kind of movie. Um, I think that there are a lot of pluses about the. Yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend seeing it. I just, it's not in my top ten of last year. I would not nominate it for best director. Um, I well, think that one other sort of point from it. You were saying that the two sort of co-leads are supposed to be almost anonymous. Uh, I'm not going to reveal who they are or when they show up in the movie, but there are a lot of very famous people in cameos. <laughs> Did you think that that was something the movie should have done? Because the co-lead's supposed to be anonymous. I thought that having these very famous actors in it sort of took you away from the movie a little bit. I don't know. It's like kind of the old tradition of like, we're going to have these big movie stars playing generals and, yeah. you know, it's like, like a bridge like, too far or like old school movie or something like that. Yeah. It's like uh, I, the movie that really bothered me where they had major actors in small parts. Do you ever see the film, the road based on the Cormac McCarthy mm-hmm. novel? And like, Very you have an old movie. man. It's, it's like, you have an old man on the road and you go, but it's Robert Duvall. <laughs> you know, it's like Charlie Theron plays the wife for like eight minutes in a flash. But like, why are they casting these giant movie star? You know, I, you know, I think that sometimes they and this one, I guess it added a little punch. It didn't distract from it too much. Yeah. And they're not like, I don't think any of them are like giant movie stars. They're just well, really good actors. Okay, well, we've got big... at least one Marvel superhero. Yeah, but it's, I, I would, you list the 25 biggest male movie stars. He's not on that list. None that's of them. Pro- that's probably true. Yeah, I'm not saying they're not they're they're great actors. They're be- they're better actors than most of the movie stars on that list probably, but yeah, I think that there's um Yeah, and it, it they, they, there's a woman briefly in the movie for a while you think this is going to be an all male cast, but there's a brief uh actually two women. Uh well, a ma- a, a female baby and a woman. <laughs> Did that scene remind you of uh Barry Lyndon at all? I thought for a second yeah. it was going to go there. <laughs> Well, uh, I was going to mention, too, you talked about the cinematography. It's not just the moving the camera. Like, there are gorgeous shots, like, yes. when he's looking out at night and the, there's, you know, air raids. Uh, the, there's for... a scene that takes place in a burnt-out city at night that is just so beautifully photographed. It's yeah. unbelievable. It, yeah, it's it's weird to say this, but it's almost like a starkly realistic German expressionist. Like it, it's, it, it's like very realistic, but it's also, there's this kind of like surreal, almost surreal quality, it's, like the way the light bounces yeah, back. And, and it's forth. like a hellscape nightmare. I, I think Roger Deakins shoe in to win an Oscar for this movie. I hope that the recognition for Roger Deakins is enough to take the shine from Sam Mendes and that he doesn't win best director. I don't want to like root for people to not win, but I, I really want it to be not Todd Phillips and not Sam Mendes. But I think he's going to win because, you know, 
uh, Alejandro G. Inaratu won for The Revenant, and Damien Chazelle won for La La Land. They like to nominate and uh, the the vote on flashy films like this is directed. Uh, so even it's weird because The Irishman is like such a well, so direct... is Parasite. <laughs> yeah, but but I'm saying that the the Irishman though in comparison is much more subtle and quiet and like it's a big flashy movie in some ways but it's much you know it i i think it's not as uh it's not as flashy as 1917 what's well, not as obviously I mean. well that's where the whole gimmick aspect of 1917 comes in where the irishman has plenty of amazing shots that go on for longer than a minute like one of my favorite parts of the movie it goes from a guy sitting in a barber's chair and follows a guy looking at him out into a hallway and then follows a couple guys walking up the stairs and finishes on a close-up of some flowers and that you know scene is as well orchestrated and shot as anything in 1917 but it's just you know a minute and a half of three and a half hour movie and it's not presented as oh martin scorsese does three and a half hours of one continuous shot look at this amazing filmmaking achievement so, you know, stuff like that gets I, a little bit lost in a movie like The Irishman. Uh, when Leonardo DiCaprio was on Mark Maron's podcast, he talked about um, Inuatu originally tried to think of shooting The Revenant as if it was one shot. But that made no sense, like, narratively, because <laughs> like, there's no way they could have done I mean, the movie was insane to shoot anyway, but, uh, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I think the film's a real technical achievement. Ding, 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 we said that again. But uh, <laughs> We'll give it something yeah. out of five. We'll, we'll finish with that. I would give it a solid four out of five, yeah. largely based on how uh, impressive it is. Yeah, I think a four out of five is uh, I agree fair. with that. And I think it's yeah. one, like I said before, that first viewing, very gripping. But once you sort of know what's going to happen and the effect of the gimmick wears off it might not necessarily stand up as well as like i've seen uh the irishman once upon a time in hollywood three times each i'm probably going to see parasite a couple more times before the oscars those are movies that will stand up forever and i think with each viewing you pick up more nuances and stuff like that i don't think that that's what 1917 is going to be like but i also would give it four out of five stars i'm actively really not wanting this to win a lot of academy awards Cinematography, I, I'll be okay with that. Production design, I'll be okay with that. But anything else, I will be disappointed. I mean, it, it went, I wouldn't put it in my top 20 of last year. No. I, I, I might be in my top 10, but that's just because I didn't see as many movies as you. <laughs> yeah, you think it might make your top 10? Or it might. I'll have to rethink it. That's one that's going to be jiggled with until until I actually reveal it. But yeah. Yeah, I well, I kind of gave away that Irishman's my, my number one, but I, I, I've been saying it like every episode that it's like my, but um, it's I do think not so yeah. well kept secret. I'll say that my sec, my number two film is very uh, got very mixed reviews and it, like it's on nobody else's top ten list, uh, and I got no nominations. But well, that'll be a that is what we call a tease in the business. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this latest episode, uh, and we will be back with you guys next time. So far.